Hi, everyone. Welcome to Critique Killer. I'm one of your hosts, Kimberlea, and I'm joined with my co-host, Courtney. This show is all about true crime and murder mysteries. We dive into topics that relate to both solved and unsolved murders and critique the killers, whether that's their mindset, mental health, or other circumstances surrounding their crimes. If you are listening live, hello, on the Stereo app, please note you can listen to the replays on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, and other podcasting platforms if you miss anything. If you're listening on any other podcasting app, we go live every week with opportunities for the audience to chime in, and you can chime in today. Just look below. There is a little chat button there, and you can leave a little message for us, and we will listen to it and then put it live and answer any questions you might have. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to my co-host, Courtney, for a brief disclaimer. All right. First of all, this is a true crime podcast, and it includes information about murders. So if that's not your thing, don't want to hear about it, we're warning you now. (laughs) We mean no disrespect to the victim, family, and friends of the victim, or anyone involved in this case. This is just information and details we've gathered over the internet on a case we care about, and we want to see justice in the end. Also, if anyone has any information about this case, please contact the Houston Police Department Homicide Division at 713-308-3600. Thank you so much. Yes, this is an unsolved case. So if you have any information, you know, I was just thinking the other day, we don't know. We we might be talking to somebody on here or on the YouTube to my YouTube channel where I'm posting a lot of these episodes and somebody might have been in that area. Somebody might know something after they listen to this. Somebody might think of something after the fact. So we wanted to put that out there because we do truly want this to be resolved and we want justice for Alexis. If you haven't listened to the previous uh, parts of the series, I would actually stop listening to this episode because it is crucial that you listen to the parts in order. There's a lot of pertinent information that was provided in those episodes that will help you understand this episode and any of the episodes to come. And we're finally going to get into more of the who do we think did this. And Courtney and I are going to be taking the two perspectives we talked about before with me discussing theories, leaning more towards her being killed by someone other than her husband, Tom, and with Courtney leaning more towards who the public has pegged as a potential murderer. So if you already listened to last week's episode, you know that we left off at the part where we were discussing the timeline before Alexis went missing, including our end point, which was was messages between Alexis's husband, Tom, that he sent to a couple of her friends the night she went missing and the day afterward. I know it seems like I'm repeating myself and I apologize, but in order for everyone to be up to speed, I do need to kind of reiterate where we left off because it helps to trigger people's memory about last episode, even myself. So what we were discussing is that Tom had reached out to a man named John. He had met John at a Halloween party a month earlier. He reached out to him around 9 p.m. on Friday night. This was the night that Alexis had supposedly gone missing. Everybody had seen her the day before, the evening before Thanksgiving. She had gone out with a friend who we a lot of people assume is somebody she was seeing, a quote-unquote, like, side relationship um, named Sebastian. But on Friday night at 9 p.m., he actually Facebook messaged John because we've heard that they didn't even have each other's phone numbers. In the last episode, we talk about why we think he reached out to John, so on and so forth. But John did not respond to him until about 1130 that night. And they had a phone conversation that supposedly lasted about 45 minutes. And they discussed 
what happened to Alexis. Tom went ahead and told him, this is brief. I, they have never, there never been any details about this. We haven't seen, like, obviously there's no transcript or anything like that, but we haven't actually heard from John. We're hearing this from John's girlfriend, Chelsea, after the fact. But he says, Tom says, me and Alexis got into a fight tonight. She was upset and she jumped the fence. I don't really know where she went. So that was supposedly a quote from Tom. Uh, John says at that moment that, you know what, she's probably fine. You know how girls are. And he didn't realize that anything was going on. So the next morning, John mentioned this conversation to Chelsea, his girlfriend, who is friends with Alexis. And this sounds the alarm within her friend group. This is when they all get on the group chat. They were supposed to be having a movie, a movie day, a movie night, a movie, you know, something on Saturday. And no one had heard from Alexis since about 630 on Friday evening. So I think there is a text message between um, Tom and Kendra. Is that right, Courtney, that you were going to read? So Kendra texts Tom after they were kind of getting together and, you know, all the girls and realizing something was off and nobody had heard from her. So Kendra texts Tom and said, hey, what's going on? Or, Or I'm not really sure what's going on, but I'm praying for Alexis. I've heard that no one has actually heard from her today, and I've been trying to reach her all day. Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? To which then Tom responds back, and this, of course, is according to Kendra. Tom said, Alexis left here around 6 p.m. yesterday. She has not really been herself, and she's been dealing with some demons. Going through a phase, you could say. She wouldn't respond to anyone. I've been on the phone with Sprint trying to get them to search for the last location of her phone. The police confiscated what she had here at the apartment. And then Kendra wrote back and said, okay, I'm worried. I'm going to keep praying. Keep me posted. And this was kind of her friends. After he said this, they were like, uh, I think he's trying to establish a story. You know, like it clearly sounds that way that if if he did do something that he's trying to make it look like oh you know Alexis is a hot mess and I don't know where that girl is and I mean at this point her friends do think that he's guilty and they've been saying that pretty much since day one and you know with these cases I mean you just showed me what was happening today with uh what's her name Suzanne Morphe is that what Morph Morphe yeah Morphe mm-hmm. yeah so you just told me about that I mean her husband's being arrested over a year and so we just never know but allegedly you know, they had had these suspicions about Tom for months, even though according to social media and according to everything we know, Tom was hanging out with everyone. I guess they were just playing a different part in his life and not letting it be known that they didn't like him all along. But on the other hand, Tom didn't like them. You know, he would warn people all the time, like those girls aren't really Alexis's friends. Ever since we moved to Houston and she became friends with them, she's gotten all, into all these problems that she never had before, so on and so forth. So it looks like neither one of those groups liked one another. Tom did not like her group of friends. Her group of friends did not like Tom, according to what yeah. you know they say. So here they yeah. are trying to say that, you know, they 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 want to find justice for their friend. They think he's guilty for whatever reason they don't like him, even though it's also been said Alexis never really talked about her relationship except for the last month or so. So all of this is supposedly happening, although we have no outward proof. I mean, we don't. The internet doesn't except for the one DM between Tom and Alexis that we talked about last time where he actually says he's leaving. He actually says he wants a divorce, not Alexis. He says, because you're 100% social media, 
you know, he's feeling neglected. He's, he can't be who she wants. He's leaving and that she's selfish. And we can see some of that. I mean, it's, it's not for nothing. I mean, we can see the things that she does online and all the time that she spends. So anyway, to move on. Yes. This conversation happens between Kendra and Tom and her friends say, you know, he's trying to establish his story. And then they kind of go back on that and say, well, we don't want to say it's a story, but it seems like he's trying to make it seem like there's a reason why she's gone. But here are some points to think about, because in this episode, you really want to go back and forth and talk about some of the holes and the things that just don't really exactly add up. And Alexis was supposedly gone at six. So, or, you know, we're six or 6.30, according to the friends and Tom. So by 9 p.m., like, let's just put this in perspective. From 6 to 9, or 6.30 to 9, or even 7-ish to 9, whatever the case may be, Tom's already worried? I mean, this was a woman who was just out all night the night before. All night. But perhaps what I was thinking was, she's always got her red messages on. We know that her friends say she's the one that texts back immediately. She's the first one to always text you back. She's got her red messages on her text message. Had she not been texting him back right away, because if we believe Tom and he says they got in a little bit of an argument, she left. Maybe he was concerned that she wasn't texting back because we know they exchanged a friendly conversation via text just the day before. Oh, you know, are you going to be alone for Thanksgiving? So on and so forth. Oh, you know, he was checking in to see if she needed to stay with him or that, you know, something along those lines spend it with him. And she's like, no, I'm going to Tanya's. So they had a perfectly fine conversation the day before. So wouldn't it be highly suspicious, I guess, if she just wasn't answering and she left angry? So I guess we can assume, and you can give your point, you know, what you think about this, but I guess we can assume that that would raise a red flag, but then talk about what you think if you, if you were in this situation, like your husband found, you know, you didn't come home for a couple hours or nobody heard from you you have to, we have to keep going back to the fact that 9 p.m., he's reaching out to a guy that he hardly knows and asking if anyone's seen Alexis. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of, or enough time has gone by to really be that concerned. I feel like if it would have been maybe the next morning and she hadn't come, come home all night, okay, then I could see it. But the fact that he's contacting someone after a couple of hours I mean, he could legit legitimately be worried because it is unlike her. But again, it looks suspicious because it's like he's already trying to set up that he's worried about her. He's looking for her, that she's gone. You know, all the while he could have already done something bad to her. Yeah, I just I do find it weird that it's only a couple hours have gone by and he's already like reaching out to friends. But on the other hand, I started th thinking about if it were me. Now, I don't go out. You know, I have a daughter. I don't go out just anywhere with friends. I'm not out until 3 a.m. We know that she was out until 2, two or 3, maybe got home at 3 um, just that morning. So I have some things to say about that because we hear um, an account of what happened from one of Tom's friends. But I just want to give a sort of um, a reference point because we have not heard directly from Tom so to speak, except for what the ABC interview. Can you read that? Do you have the ABC interview? Yes, I do. So this is the one and only interview, right? Yes. This is the only thing. And it was, 
I'm sorry, refresh my memory. Were they just messaging back and forth or was it a voice call? So the interviewer said that Tom stated that Alexis wasn't always the happy person she portrayed on social media, which we know no one is. <laughs> right. You know, um, the reporter stated that Tom sounded very upset and emotionally distraught, which again, he could have been because he was genuinely worried or because he had just killed his wife. We don't know. Uh, he stated that he was struggling. He referred to Alexis as his everything. And so, see, he's saying, oh, she wasn't the happy person, you know, kind of dissing her. And then the next breath, he's saying, oh, she was my everything. So it's kind of wishy-washy. Then he said that they shared a meal together on Thanksgiving morning, which I believe has been disputed, right? I don't know. I mean, the way that Tanya and her friends made it look is like that he said they had a Thanksgiving meal. And then Tanya was like, no, she was really hungry when she came over here. She ate so much food. but. That was in the morning, a meal, like a meal that could have been a piece of toast and a, and, a, and a cup of coffee Thanksgiving morning. Yeah, yeah, true. But I mean, this is according to Tom. They ate Thanksgiving morning. Okay. Then he said that they weren't filing for divorce and the marriage was happy, <laughs> which we've heard so many different things about that. And then he said he last saw Alexis. When he last saw her, he warned her not to drive. Um, in this interview, he stated that they didn't have a fight when she left. He just told her she couldn't drive because she was under the influence. So, again, I know I keep saying again, but <laughs> that I think his story has changed on that. Maybe not his story, but other people's perception of the story has changed. And he said he turned over all the messages and emails and phone calls to the police. And then he abruptly ended the interview. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, oh, but he did say over and over again, like, I'm not a jerk. I'm not a bad guy. I just lost my wife. She was my everything. She was my world. Like, I kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah. So I did want to make a couple statements of opinion about some of these things. I know it's been said, oh, well, he hasn't really been public. He hasn't said anything. We haven't really gone into that. He has said a lot of things. We will go into that in another episode because it's a lot. And and that episode will be more geared towards like Tom totally did it. But he has said things on social media. And the thing about social media is if you do say something, you get persecuted. If you don't say something, you get persecuted. Nothing is ever the right thing to say. And right. I do see him a lot like me. Um, he seems to kind of, I mean, this is just my personality, but I get angry. Like if you... If you try to say that I did something that I didn't do, or you're trying to get in my business and it's my, you know, something as serious as the death of someone I loved, I can 100% see myself getting pissed. Yeah. Like, leave us alone. You don't know what's going on. You're, you're getting in my business. And I don't know if I would talk. And he's definitely has an attorney. It is 100% the thing to do. You are the closest person to your wife. You are going to be a suspect. And supposedly he's been cleared. They did not say he was a suspect or even a person of interest. And they did say that he had been cooperating with police, you know, that there wasn't, he was, he's, I mean, at this point in time, he's not arrested. So not to say that he wouldn't, because look what's happening in that other case a year later, but as it stands at this point, he wasn't 
going through any kind of arrest or anything as far as the police. So in that case, I just think him not speaking has nothing to do with his guilt. It is something that a lawyer is going to tell you to do because all of those things can be held against you. You're in an emotional state, whether you're guilty or not. So, yeah. So I, I did want to say it was in the very beginning, I'd say those first couple of days that he did say a lot. And it was yes. totally based on emotions. And like you said, he he was defensive, which, of course, you'd be defensive, especially if you didn't do it. <laughs> so, right. yeah. And then I think he kind of someone, maybe his family or someone was like, hey, you need to stop and lawyer up. And that since then, he's been silent. Right. And that's a smart thing to do. And that shouldn't be held against anyone because you're not supposed to. I mean, in a court of law, pleading the fifth and and being able to remain silent is your right and and you should. And that's a smart thing to do. So I don't blame him for that whatsoever. But it is interesting that he stated, oh, well, we didn't have a fight when she left. <laughs> but then to like other several other people, he said, but I don't know if he used the word fight because that's the thing. We haven't seen these conversations. And if if I were to say to like you casually one night, oh, me and Scott got in a fight. That doesn't necessarily mean it was something where we were having a yelling match. It could have just been like, listen, like what he said. I don't want you to drive the car. You've been drinking. And then maybe me saying, I have not been drinking. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, whatever. I'm an, I'm annoyed by you. You know, I'm leaving. It doesn't necessarily mean that you were in a total fight where you're yelling and having this crazy conversation. It could have been as simple as she doesn't want to do what he said. Right. Yeah. I think fight is used loosely. <laughs> but we know from the last episode that there was an exchange just a couple weeks before this where they didn't sound like they were having a very happy marriage. And he says, oh, our, our marriage was happy. We weren't filing divorce. But he was the one that said to Alexis, I'm filing for divorce since you're 100% social media. You know, the hammer is going to come down, so to speak. So it's just interesting because you're right. His story seems to change. But according to his one of his good friends who he's known for, I don't know how long, Years, 12, and years, 12 years, I think. Are you Is talking that... about school? Yeah. Yeah. I, he said 12 years. Okay. So a friend that's known him for 12 years has a different, has a different story. So I would like to read you what he has told people. Now, this is what he has said from his own account. He's sort of been vetted. You know, I mean, he has his own account. It's not Tom. There's pictures of him and his, you know, his life on there. He's a fellow bodybuilder. He knows Tom has known Tom for a while. And these are the things that he said. I don't know what particular order these are in. So I'm just going to read all of them. He says, I, um, I spoke to him the night she left his apartment. We spoke on the phone for a while. He told me she had just left in a small car with another guy. Same story. It hasn't changed. I heard it while it was happening. So here's, you know, here's part of the story. He said she left the apartment. He, she left with another guy in a small car. So let's go in a little bit more depth because he's now said a couple other statements. She was on the phone for a while texting before she ran out. She texted someone to pick her up or had an Uber get her. And I can't tell you what they were talking about because it's very private Due to the respect for her and Tom, I can't say. Only thing I will say is she wasn't coming home at times every day. She had something going on, a party to be at with her friends while he was home waiting. And I know that 
because we talked all week before Thanksgiving. She was acting up coming home at 3, 4 a.m. when she would come home under the influence, when she would come home under the influence. I wanted to stop there real fast, but I also have a big <laughs> story that he, he lays out. Um, but I just want to say a few things about that, and you can chime in on this. If we pretend or like if we just think that Tom is telling the truth here, it's a couple of things I just want to throw out. You know, friends have said that Tom had called another friend again. We don't know, well, you know who it was and stated that Lexus was doing drugs. She was addicted to drugs and alcohol. She was having affairs with men and she was even addicted to sex. This is per her friends trying to like throw Tom under the bus for supposedly throwing Alexis under the bus. But here's the thing. We know that she actually did go out till three in the morning. Okay. Like the night before. So on one hand, her friends say, oh, well, you know, the things that Tom says during under the bus, that's not true. But he's telling his own friend a week before she goes missing that she's been quote unquote acting out. She's coming home at three and four in the morning. You know, she's coming home under the influence. Well, it, it stands to reason. If you're out the night before at a bar and your friends have said you are, and you come home at 2.30 in the morning and you are under the influence, that that is not a lie. Yeah. So that's one thing I just want to throw out because when we're trying to talk about what happened, it's not a characterization. It's not an assault on someone's character to say, hey, they drank a lot. She admitted she drank a lot. She admitted she was trying to stop drinking. You can see from her own face, I'm not sorry, not Facebook, Instagram posts, she had a drink in her hand. It was a habit she was trying to break almost in every picture, almost in every story post. So it's not an assassination of your character to provide evidence of fact that this person drank a lot. And so it stands to reason she might've been addicted to alcohol. Yeah. And that is not something to just be judgmental about. It's part of this, part of the facts of this case. We want to understand who she was and some of the actions that might've been involved when it comes to where she went and why she wasn't there. So back to the story of what, I mean, did you have anything to add to that? No, I just find the part he said that Alexis was acting up. Like, I I just find that funny. It's like, she's not a little kid. I just, it's kind of weird to be saying about your, that your wife's acting up. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) Maybe that's Swole's words and not, and not Tom's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But you have to also understand, we're talking to 50-year-old men about a 26-year-old woman. True. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, she's acting out. She's acting out (laughs) like a little 26-year-old, 20 years younger than me or whatever. It's like, (laughs) I guess I can understand the word acting out, but she's supposed to still be married to Tom, even if they're taking a break, even if they're supposedly getting separated. I don't know. I mean, I still think you can make an, an observation about your wife or your husband or whoever, where you're just thinking, wow, this is so out of character. Or she's now had this character about her where she's going out, she's staying out. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And another thing I just want to add is, what were they talking about? It reminds me of Chris Watts case. It's like, oh, well, we had a heated conversation. You know, oh, it was an intense it was an intense conversation with Chris Watts and Shanann. It's like, same thing here. Oh, it's private. Out of the respect for Tom and for Alexis, I can't say. Well, yeah, we can what do you think from- it was? 
Well, we can assume from the next statement, he goes, only thing I will say, which is <laughs> basically like you're saying it, she wasn't coming home at times every day. She was, you know, at something with a party with her friends. Well, we kind of know that because in the DM, he says, you know, you're 100% social media. She's on a girl's trip. And what did you say last week about the girl's trips? Just that it was an excuse to go party. <laughs> exactly. So it's not, it's, it's fair for him to think these things. It's fair for him to say it. He's observing what his partner is doing. And I honestly would be pretty pissed if my partner was doing that too. Oh yeah, for sure. But if they were separated and, you know, she stated that he was already moving his stuff out and she was sleeping on the couch. So if they were getting a divorce, then I don't see it as bad because, you know, he's already on his way out. Then I think that gives her more permission to go do what she wants. I agree, but I also feel like, and this just came up in my head because I'm a little bit like this because I'm the oldest sister. So I kind of, and I'm a mom and you're a mom, but he's older than her. And I think he is a father figure. And even though, you know, they were together in a romantic relationship, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the fact that he has a child in college. I mean, he's, he's a man who might see things a little bit differently. For example, he's always been very proud of Alexis. He's always told her how amazing she is and she can overcome all obstacles. But if you see your wife going to a downward spiral and you are the older person, the more wise person in relationship, I can definitely see him reprimanding her and saying like, get it together. You shouldn't be doing this. Like you're yeah. ruining your life. Like what's going on? You, you know, you say you wanted all these things in life. She used to be a straight A student. She was, you know, going, supposed to be going to PA school. She started working at Twin Peaks after that. And then she ended up with Tom and she even said she was in a dark place when they met and that he'd been really supportive. So it only stands to reason that he would be concerned and, and I can see him being a little reprimanding. Yeah. And it almost makes her look more like a child that she's acting out, you know, acting out air quotes, but that she's just kind of carefree and not checking in and going and do what she, doing what she wants. You know, it is kind of like a father daughter relationship that she's rebelling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what he meant by she was going through a phase of sorts. It's like, um, maybe he hadn't seen the side of her. Maybe she had been snowballing into a different realm. You know, like we said, maybe it was a work thing. Maybe it was the pandemic. Maybe, you know, because she wasn't going out as much. Or it seemed like she still was, though. I mean, look at her Instagram and <clears throat> she's going out way more than people I know. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But the whole story, according to Tom's friend, is this. And I want to go line by line. And see what you think about this, because I think it's important to really dive into what he says, because this is the only statement we really have that's sort of from Tom, even though it's from a third party. It says, then she goes out with her friends, comes back home, as he said, hi, and not herself. They get into an argument and she wanted to leave. He wouldn't let her drive her Jeep because she was high or drunk. Okay, so let's just, I just want to stop there. So when it, I don't have the beginning of this conversation. I don't know if you do, but he goes, then she goes out with her friends, comes back home as he said, hi, and not herself. When? Because we know from her, supposedly from her friends, she was at home all day Friday. She had the house mostly to herself. 
she wasn't out with friends. She was trying to go out with friends. She was messaging everyone. Like, are you going out tonight? Is anyone doing anything exciting? So she clearly wanted to go out on Friday. So why did he say she goes out with friends, comes back home, as he said, hi, and not herself? Was that three o'clock in the morning and he's just blending the timelines? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that situation fits up perfectly when she came home that morning at three. But I think I nobody said that she's gone anywhere with friends on Friday. So let's let's explore that really fast, because remember, we had this theory last episode that possibly this happened the night before and that he was using her phone to text her friends on Friday. That's why she kept saying in her text messages, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe it was Friday. Forgot it was Friday. And this is Black Friday. Right. The biggest day of money. I, yeah, I've read that post several times and I never thought about that, but she was not out. So let's just back up and, and assume that she comes home, like this friend said, listen to it closely. Okay. She goes out with her friends. Well, we know she was doing that on Thursday. Mm-hmm. She was out with friends. She was at her friend's Thanksgiving party. Tom wasn't there. She was with Sebastian, the guy that she had just met in Saloon, supposedly, that she went out with that same night. And he goes on to say she comes back home and she was high and not herself. We don't know what she was doing with Sebastian. I've told you this numerous times. We have no evidence that she was at a bar. She could have been at Sebastian's home. They could have been in a car. Um, She could have been doing drugs. We hear later from her own friends, and I will read you this, that she did do drugs. Mm -hmm. So... Again, not a character assassination, guys. This is just piecing together this puzzle because it's, is it blending the timelines? Because if she came home that night and Tom was there, because the next morning I had the house mostly to myself. We don't know if that was Alexis or Tom that said that. Yeah. But if we assume that Tom came back Thursday night, she's still out. She comes back at 2 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. Like her friend said, you know, like his friend said, she had had this habit recently and she wasn't herself. Is that when they had the fight? Possibly she didn't know that he was going to be home. Maybe he wasn't supposed to be there. So she's like, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to get home in a decent hour because I'm going to be home alone. And she came back and he was there waiting for like WTF. Where have you been? (laughs) Right. Or. He already knows that she does this because weeks earlier, he was already telling his friend, she comes home at three o'clock, three or four in the morning. She's going out on these trips with her friends. I'm sitting here waiting. Like that seems like it's a common theme in their relationship recently. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because had she come home that night and had they gotten into an argument and had the argument been, why are you driving our brand new Jeep intoxicated? Mm-hmm. Assumingly, I'm not saying she did, but we know she went out to a bar and we know she came back and we know she got into the car and drove home. Yeah. Well, supposedly, we don't know that she ever made it home. And he could have been more upset about her drinking and driving than he was about who she was hanging out with. I don't know why, but my gut feeling is like, I think this conversation is blended. I think the timelines are blended because they get into an argument and she wants to leave. Well, could that be the case? She's at comes home at 3 a.m. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna go back to Seb. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him and 
I'm going to have him pick me up. Now, obviously, we know from text messages that that didn't happen because Sebastian gets off work and DMs her on Instagram and says, uh, what did he say? Just got off. Yeah, he says something like that. But let me let me also stick this into the timeline. Why would he need to let her know that he got off of work on Friday night if they weren't going to hang out? Exactly. Exactly. And it makes you wonder if they were having another conversation somewhere else. Just like you and I, Some, you know, sometimes we'll be talking on text messages and then voice message and then Instagram. We don't know if they had other conversations going on, making plans for when he got off of work. But you can call people right from Instagram. Would it show up? I don't know. I wonder if it shows I guess. up after you call them in your messages. But what if they talked on WhatsApp? What if they talked on yeah. Uh, Marco yeah. Polo? Yeah, it could have been something else. I don't that know. Just... He said, I'm off. Because it was late, too, and she had been out so late the night before. It's just odd that he would say that if they weren't planning on meeting up. Yeah, and so I'm just trying to get my bearing straight here because I'm reading this as his friend who Tom told all this to. So had she gotten the argument with him him at 3 a.m. and says she wants to leave, maybe she assumes, I'll just get back in the car, go back to Sebastian, tell him what's going on. Maybe she confided in him. But if that night she gets an argument with him that night and wants to leave, and he's like, I don't want you to leave because what you said, um, you're not going to drive that car. I mean, he still cares about this woman. Regardless if you're getting in a divorce or not, you care what happens to her. You don't want her to get in trouble. You don't want her to get in an accident. And it could have transpired that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally possible because nobody saw her Saturday or right. Friday. Excuse me, Friday. Right. And what I was thinking is, let's just say we're supposed to be going into the Tom is innocent part of this, but <laughs> let's just say that it happened at 3 a.m. That would give him so much more time than the timeline that everyone thinks it happened in. Yeah. And that's why at 9 p.m. he was starting to get frantic because, it, you know, he figured enough time had passed. Yeah, because remember, the road that she was found on, guys, it is not a well-traveled road. It's a feeder road. It's between two highways. It's not something you normally go down. And it is a holiday. So businesses are closed. There's only one business on that road. It's a salon. It was not open that day. This is a holiday weekend. So I'm just throwing this out there. We don't know if this happened at three o'clock in the morning and at four or five, he leaves her body there. It's not found till Saturday morning. That's not that much time to go by. It's a whole day, but it's not some like extremely long amount of time where we would be like, oh, impossible that her body was out there that whole time. Yeah, it could have been, but he still could have waited all day and then dropped it off once it got dark on Friday evening. Right, because guess what? Oh my gosh, this almost makes so much more sense because he creates sort of like an alibi for why he went left the house. Mm-hmm. And that could have been when he was leaving the body there. Yeah, because it gets dark super early on, you know, in November. So, yeah, he went and dumped her, but acted like he was out looking for her because he kind of would have been driving around in that vicinity anyway, because it wasn't that far from their apartment. Exactly. Hmm. That's what I'm saying, because let's go on to the next paragraph. 
he wouldn't let her drive her Jeep because she was high or drunk. She leaves out the back door. He runs out the front thinking she's going to the Jeep. She doesn't come around the front. So he goes to the back to see that she has jumped the fence and is getting into a small black sedan. He had to go get his car to follow her. The cats were out, so he had to get them back inside. Then he activates the Find My iPhone app and starts following. He loses signal, then sits in a gas station for two hours. Okay, let's back up because there's a lot in that paragraph. (laughs) Whoa. All right. So any thoughts? It just seems really elaborate. You know, when you're telling a lie to try to get out of something, compared to when you're telling the truth, it just, it seems like you go into so much more detail trying to really sell the lie. It, it just seems like that to me. Like too many details. What do you think? Well, remember last episode when Tanya and Kendra talk about how they had a ring doorbell? Mm-hmm. Well, the ring doorbell is only on the front door. Oh, that's why he's so, saying she went out the back. Right? Yeah. Why would you go out the back? Yeah, I don't know. Where does the back go to? Is it just the back goes it goes to the pool area. Oh, okay. That's the back door. Yeah, it's a sliding glass door from the patio. But wouldn't there be cameras from the apartment complex towards the pool? There were, but guess what? They didn't work. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, so confusing. It just sucks that we have no evidence of, like, did Tom ask about those cameras at some point? You know, like, I don't think this was planned. I really don't. But it's just so ironic that the cameras just weren't working there. But they had a ring doorbell. So you would think, I mean, as a woman, you would, I'm, I'm just thinking as myself, like, why would I go through, why would I jump the patio fence and go through the pool section and then go out the pool and go all the way to the parking lot to get my Uber, get my car, or get, you know, into whatever car It's just like, why would I do that? But possibly it was the quickest exit she could get away from him. You know, she was right by that door. She knew if she tried to run past him to go to the other door that he would stop her. So it could have just been convenient. Right, because the friend said he wouldn't let her drive her Jeep. Yeah. Because she was high or drunk. So she leaves out the back door. So I'm thinking... He's, he's obviously saying just like you would, just like you would, if a, if a friend was driving or wanted to drive drunk, he would get in front of the door and be like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And he's big. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah, going to he- say, you're not going anywhere. And if she's adamant, because we know she's very independent, we know that she likes to do her own thing. We know that she goes places alone. We know that she's a smart, uh, strong woman. You know, Mm -hmm. aggressive meaning like headstrong, not aggressive meaning, you know, but she's a strong woman who, who thinks for herself. And I just think, you know, that could be what happened. He, he, he says, no, you're not going anywhere. And she jumps the patio. Now, mind you, I've looked at this patio so many times and it looks to me two different sizes, which is so interesting because the first time I looked at it, I said, oh, it's only about, I don't know, like three feet or two and a half feet tall. Mm -hmm. But then yesterday, as I was going through more photos, I I stumbled upon a picture that made it look a lot taller. Hmm. Like how tall? 
like well i'm only four foot eleven but to <laughs> me like chest height oh, to me okay. so maybe that's well, still like three and a half feet. yeah still pretty short and alexis was five eight five seven mm-hmm. so it's plausible that she could just i don't know just swing i wouldn't say step i would say like swing over the patio and then, but her friends say, oh, well, she would never do that because there were bushes there. Girl, I looked at the bushes. There are like two bushes in front of <laughs> the, the patio doors. And they're all the same. If you look around the complex, mm-hmm. they've got like two shrubs outside every patio for a little bit of privacy. You can still see in. Yeah. And if you're drunk and trying to get away, that's, that's not going to stop you. Again, yeah, you're right. If you are intoxicated, you're not going to care. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're not thinking straight. You're just like, I'm going to go out the back door. I don't know. Yeah. So let's get to the black car. Oh, <laughs> so okay. many questions about the black car. Was that the next line? He runs out the front. Okay. But let me just say one thing about the front. Okay. That means there should be evidence from the ring doorbell, right? Because does it record all the time? Does it record when you walk out? Does it only record when you come to the front? I think any, any type of motion. Right. So sure, there should be evidence of him coming out the front door if this is the real ch- story. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, um, she doesn't come around the front. Like, how does he know she doesn't come around the front? Yeah, I don't know. And here's the thing. Okay, sorry. I'm still on this. Just, just hear me out. <laughs> he goes, she leaves out the back door. He runs out the front thinking she's going to the Jeep. She doesn't come around the front. So he goes to the back and to see she has jumped the fence and is getting into a black sedan. The fence, he's talking about the patio. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you've ever seen the layout of this apartment complex. It's not really that easy. To get to the road? It's just, right. It's like, Tom would have had to go pretty far to run all the way down the corridor, come out of the building, to catch her at the exact same time, she's going through the entire pool area and coming out a portion of the complex where there's a walkway and grass where you would like walk a dog. And then mm-hmm. there's a fence you can just walk. It's a it's a high fence. And he's not talking about her jumping that one. You don't have to because there's a door there. You can just open the door and you're going to get to various places. You're either going to come out where the visitor's gate is. You're going to come out where the leasing center is or you're going to come out where the parking garage is depending upon where she exited mm-hmm. so, so are he you conveniently that... guesses pardon he conveniently guesses like wh- where she's going to come out of i guess he assumes okay she's coming out of the pool area yeah yeah he would have no idea but i was going to ask do you think it would take longer for her to get out to the car or do you or or are you saying that it takes him longer to run all the way around and to see her get in the car? Him longer. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. So if that is true, maybe she stood out there for a minute or so to wait for the car to pull up. Otherwise, they would have missed each other if it was instant. She ran out there, jumped in the car, and took off. And in my mind, I don't think this is like a getaway driver, you know, like, I don't think, yeah. oh my God, go, 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 go. He's following me. I don't think it was like that. Yeah. No, probably not. She gets into this black sedan. Yeah. Allegedly. (laughs) 
Right. Because the friend says that she was texting someone or an Uber. How would he know that? She says, well, Tom said she was on her phone for a while texting before she ran out. She texted someone to pick her up or had an Uber get her. I can't tell you what they were talking about, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, let's just. Okay, so which friend, though? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's none of her friends that we know of. So what if, what if it was an Uber? I mean, it could have been. It just seems kind of fast that she would already have... Well, I guess if they had been arguing for a while and she was wanting to leave, she could have done text an Uber during that, but... Right. Because her friends say that she would never have walked. Because that's another theory. Like, she got mad... She jumped over the patio. She started walking. But there was, like, nowhere to walk. It's like Katie Freeway. It's not It's not some, yeah. like, busy area with restaurants and bars. And it's a holiday weekend. Nothing's open. So I just, I, I, I would lean, if this is the truth, that she got into an Uber. Yeah. Yeah, because her friend said if she would have called somebody, it would have been one of them. Exactly. And Seb was at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been Uber or people say that she flagged down a stranger and had and got, you know, jumped in the car with a stranger. But I highly doubt that. Yeah, I'm just thinking, sorry. So let's move into the next part. He says that um, she doesn't come to the front. So he goes to the back and sees she's jumped the fence and is getting into small black sedan. He had to go get his car to follow. Well, that would take so long. You'd never catch up. It was in the the parking garage, I assume. So by the time you got all the way to parking the garage and got out, those usually aren't the easiest to get out of. That car would have been so long gone. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the parking garage because I went ahead and I looked on Google Maps again. And Mm -hmm. it looks like there's a resident parking and a visitor parking. Oh, okay. So it could have been just right there. Yes. Well, I mean, that makes sense. But, I mean, he didn't say what direction it was going what or what street it was going down. Yeah, because he didn't know, supposedly, because it says, uh, and then I think this is interesting. Like, why, I guess you would be giving all this. Like, I I, I kind of disagree about you wouldn't go into detail because I feel like I would. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, and the cats were out and I'd get them back in. You know, the cats, oh, my God, because they have, like, two or three cats. Mm-hmm. But the cats were out. <laughs> like, where else would they be? Like in a cage? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or in a room. So we had to get them back inside. What? Like they, they, like they, like, like he left the door open when he ran to the front and they're out in the hallway. Cause this is an internal apartment building guys. Oh yeah. I was thinking the, the door. I was thinking one of the door or the both doors went outside. That's what I was thinking. Front and no, the front door oh. goes into a corridor. Oh, okay. Huh. And then the back door goes to the pool. Yes. Oh, okay. Huh. So he gets on the Find My iPhone app. We've all been on that. <laughs> but that means he's got her Apple ID and password. No, you can you can be linked up. Like my phone and Jeremy's phones are linked up. As long as you do it beforehand, then I can click on find my uh, iPhone and his shows up to, to his location. So they probably had it on there for safety. I mean, that's why we do it. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But then what about this part? Okay, so he starts following. You know how inaccurate that damn thing is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I lost my phone in Disney World once, and we were around the whole park because somebody had my phone. Mm -hmm. And that was like, you (laughs) cannot use it to track anything. No, not not down to the T. Exactly. It'll be like, oh, it's in the vicinity. And you're like looking around everywhere. And <laughs> it's, but I mean, if he could see her going down a road. But wouldn't it, if she was okay at that point, wouldn't she, or maybe she turned it off. Okay. Say he was following her or she knew he was going to follow. She's probably like, oh, I better hurry and turn off my, cause you know, you can turn it off the you know, just a little button where you turn it off so people can't see where you are. She totally could have done that. And then he lost her. Right. He says he loses signal. I don't think he means cell phone signal. I think he actually means what you just said, that he yeah. loses signal. Of her, yeah. Yeah, but here's what's weird. Okay. Then he sits in a gas station for two hours. But here, I don't think that's weird in a way. But what I, what I was going to say was weird is, I mean, the timeline kind of makes sense because if if all this was happening around 6.30, that means maybe she left around like 7.15 and then two hours later would be nine. And that's when he called Chelsea's boyfriend. Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. But why wouldn't you just go home and wait for her to come back? I don't know. I don't know why he would sit there if he was just waiting for her to see if he saw that car again drive by or I don't know. Or if he was just sitting there talking on the phone, he maybe he didn't want to drive while he was talking on the phone. But he wasn't talking on the phone because he sat there for two hours. Nobody heard from him. I thought he was talking to Swole. Oh. Didn't Swole say they spoke for 40 minutes? Right, 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 right. I'm sorry. So, yeah, he was talking to Swole right afterward because that's his best. That's like his buddy. Yeah. And so he was talking to him for a while. Oh, that makes sense. And then he probably, Swole and him probably said like, well, why don't you call somebody that might know, like a, a friend? And instead of calling the girls, like you said, he's older, probably disrespectful to reach out to one of the girls. So he goes, oh, you know, I know this guy, John. Um, let me let me just reach out and see if his girlfriend has heard anything from Alexis. Yeah, because that's the point that he reached out to John. But then John didn't call him back until a couple hours later. So he could have just been sitting there like, who can I get a hold of? He calls her friend's boyfriend and explains that they had just gotten into an argument and says that if they know where she is, he'd like to know, and then he goes home. Hmm. Which means that was the phone call. With John. Well, no, because that was 11 o'clock. So you have to assume he left a message or that was the typed out message. Like, hey, call me. Yeah. I haven't. Like, Oh, yeah, that is the message. Because remember it said. We got in an argument and, yeah. you know, I wonder where she is. And then John called back at 11 o'clock. So you think he was out until 11? No, I think, home? no, I think he went home after the okay. nine o'clock phone call to Swole. And then the one where he tried to get a hold of John and John didn't answer. So he went uh, home mm-hmm. and then it says for five hours. So, so for five hours, nine, well, what is that? Until two o'clock in the morning, he was looking for her. What? For five hours, where? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I know he did say that he was with Sprint, getting with Sprint to check her phone logs. 
But yeah, I don't know what else he could have been doing because he didn't contact any. If he was that truly worried, he could have contacted Tanya and Kendra and Chelsea and Allie. You know, he he only reached out to one person to Chelsea's boyfriend. Yeah. So why would that's odd for five hours starts looking for her in that time? I guess maybe this is the next day because it says for five hours and starts looking for her in that time. I guess the friend had called the police. So that was Saturday. Yeah, that was Saturday. Well, it says somewhere from there, he's contacted by detectives. They come to the house. They don't find anything out of line except for the shrooms, cocaine and some other street drugs. And nothing out of the ordinary year. Yeah. Oh, typical Friday. <laughs> yeah. But I want to mention her friends say, oh, no, 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 no. She she does not do drugs. She does not, like, get extremely intoxicated. She knows her limits. She always goes home. You know, she holds her alcohol well. She'll ask to go home when she's at her limit. She would never just walk off. But here's the thing, and that I mentioned this before. They said, like, oh, she would never drink alone at home. Because I said, well, if this happened at, if this happened at 6 instead of 3 o'clock in the morning, like we said, if we mm-hmm. listen to Tom's account of the events, she was drunk or intoxicated at 6 p.m. So you say she never drank at home. However, I've seen, a, I've seen various videos on Instagram TV where she's drinking a glass of wine and talking yeah. to the camera. And she seems to be alone. Yeah. And then the story changes, story changes because then Tanya goes on this long explanation, long, long, long explanation. She, she goes on Facebook and she just diary of the mouth, but typing (laughs) diary of the fingers. Yeah. She says this, and it's a long one guys, and we're going to end it after these statements. I think that's probably a good place. Alexis hated prescription drugs. Now I've actually seen Alexis talk about this in a video. She talks about being healthy. She talks about, you know, alternatives. She even talks about alcohol being toxic, even though it's something that she consumes on a regular basis. She was totally against people taking anti-depression meds and anti-anxiety meds. She always tried to educate people on natural remedies. And this was when the theory was that she might've overdosed, Mm -hmm. but that's, we don't, we still have not really seen anything with the toxicology report. Yeah. If her body OD'd, someone did that to her. Again, the shrooms were used to microdose. You don't even necessarily feel euphoria. Psychedelic microdosing is a practice of using sub-threshold doses of the psychedelic drug in an attempt to improve creativity, boost physical energy, promote emotional balance, increase performance on problem-solving tasks, and to treat anxiety, depression, and addiction. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And that's what Tanya said, or you're just reading the definition? No, Tanya put the definition in this post because she was saying, you know, that she microdosed. Which I think I could imagine her doing just because I, I've watched so many videos where she goes sort of natural, but I've never, I mean, obviously no one's going to take pictures of that, but I mean, there's no outward evidence that any of this had really been going on. It's just friends saying that she listened to some Elon Musk like, uh, video about like microdosing and she got really interested in it. Uh-huh. But if it is about treating depression, anxiety, and addiction, I think that goes toward what Tom said, that she had demons and her mm-hmm. own words that she had been 
doing the 75 hard because she had a habit of drinking and she wanted to kick it. Yeah. Also, the worst thing you can do if you're depressed or have anxiety is drink. Like the worst. (laughs) So if she did have that and she was still drinking a lot, then yeah, it could have been, she could have been having some bad demons. Yeah, that definitely makes it worse. And then um, somebody asked Tanya, do you know if Tom took any shrooms? Because if he did take shrooms, he may not even remember what happened. There's been other cases of someone hurting themselves or someone else while in a mushroom trip. Yeah, I, I can't really. I don't, I've never done it. I've never done it either. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to judge it, but I don't no, have any personal no. experience. Yeah, me either. So Tanya actually responds, regular microdosing results in a tolerance buildup in the body, causing the user to increase the dosage. For a person who's suffering from depression, anxiety, or panic attacks, the use of shrooms can have an adverse detrimental effect, including increased blood pressure, hyperventilating, paranoia, nausea, just to name a few. Add alcohol to the mix and you're flirting with a lethal cocktail. From what I've read, Alexis was suffering from mood swings and depression and could have been vulnerable. Really? Because you said she didn't have any demons. That her that Tom's painting her in a bad light. Well, how? When you're sitting here saying, like, she suffered from mood swings, she had depression? Yeah. It makes sense, but how long had she been microdosing? We don't have any of that evidence. Do you think someone that is against drugs and doesn't ever do drugs would be cool with mushrooms even if you are microdosing and it just seems a little extreme to me i don't see her ever talking about microdosing but i haven't looked for it i've gone through every single one of her posts but i wasn't specifically looking for that Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i've known friends that have done this that you would think are very granola you know like uh care about their health and yeah it's it's known to help with these things but it's like short term yeah but tanya says and i don't know how she would know this tom did take shrooms the difference between them is that lex would take time to weigh it and make sure she wasn't taking any more than she needed tom on the other hand would take a lot too much <laughs> in my opinion he encouraged her to take them because it made her quote happy unquote she hated being home so were they taking them to get high or not? <laughs> I don't think they were taking them to get high, but here's what's so interesting. Uh, how do you know? Like, have you seen him take a handful? It's just something that, that Alexis said. She says she never talked about her relationship. So when is she just going to come out and be like, hey, by the way, you know, Dom, he takes <laughs> a shit ton of freaking shrooms. By the handfuls. Oh my God, I don't get it. Mm-mm. This case and is then- so confusing. Her throwing in, she hated being home because of why? The pandemic? Like, we know this person loves to go out. She didn't even think the COVID was real. Yeah. So is that why she hated being home? Or did she hate being home because he encouraged her to take shrooms because it made her happy? And if she did think she was happy taking them, why would she hate being home if that's where she took them? Right. And wasn't he, like, never home anyway? Wasn't he always gone working? Right before this, he says he was gone for eight weeks. Like, he's been working. I take everything that Tanya said with a grain of salt. Just because she has said some different different things. Don't you think? Tanya says, oh, well, in another whole post. This is a different post, different thread. 
She goes, if she was on drugs, like some of you are claiming, she wouldn't have gone out. She wasn't on drugs. She was murdered in her own home. That's bizarre. That she would, how, how would you know? Nobody knows that except the killer. That's why people, okay, we're just going to say, we're not saying this. This has been other people saying that Tanya's involved. Like Tanya knows something. Tanya's involved. Mm -hmm. She worked for a rental car company, a brokerage, like a car brokerage. She might've had a black sedan. She was renting a car right before this. Like, what if it was her? What Mm -hmm. if she did call Tanya? What if she erased the text messages? Cause you can do that. You can erase text messages. What if she said, come and get me. And what if Tanya did? And I don't know, but like, why would you murder your friend? Yeah, I know. It just doesn't make sense. When when people were thinking it was a drug overdose, I kind of felt more that she could have been involved, that they could have been out and partying and, you know, the friends panicked and dropped her off. But since it's come out that it was a homicide, I just, Tanya's different, but I don't, I do not think that she, that she killed Alexis. <laughs> When she was doing an interview, and I thought this was very interesting, her friends, I'm sorry, she already thinks Tom is guilty. So Mm. they have a theory. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Tanya and Kendra, which are the most vocal about this entire situation, they have a theory that sometime after 6 p.m., Alexis was either, and this is what was weird, Either Alexis wasn't going anywhere, so she took a shower and then Kendra chimes in, or maybe she was hoping that one of us would go out with her that night, so she takes a shower. Whether she's going out or she's not going out. Yeah. She takes a shower. And then they say, so she was getting cleaned up. And and by the way, guys, the reason why this is supposedly relevant is because Richardson, that's his last name, was the person that found her. He was a... Uh, garbage truck driver, utility, you know, person who says he can't stop thinking about the horrible situation. He, this is um, ABC 13 did an interview. He called the finding bizarre. He said Sharky wasn't wearing a single piece of clothing. She looked like someone delicately placed her in the brush along the road. Quote, it plays back in my head every day. I constantly see her lying there. It plays back in my head, Richardson said. Quote, it's like she just got out of the tub. Her body was clean. There was nothing on her body. Her body was clean. She was kind of in the fetal position in the way that the body was laid. I think somebody actually laid her there. They didn't just throw her out, said Richardson. It's just a mystery at this moment. I hope they find out who did it and bring justice so that at least the family and friends can be at ease. So because of Richardson's account, because her friends have never seen the body, supposedly, unless they were there, they're assuming because her body was so quote unquote clean. I mean, this is not a medical examiner. This is not a crime scene investigator who has knowledge of whether a body looks clean because she looks like Alexis or what if that's the way a lot of bodies look? Yeah. I mean, if you're young and you got no clothes on, but yeah, I and think... how close did he get? You know, was he all the way up? Did he check her pulse? Like, if you're standing a distance back, you 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 won't see if there's if someone's kind of dirty. You know, you look cleaner when you have no clothes on because you can see all of your skin. Right, and because she had no outward signs of distress, because that was another thing. There were no outward injuries, mm-hmm. so 
he wasn't seeing anything. Because, like, if she had blood all over her body, you wouldn't say the body was clean. Right. So I don't necessarily think that she just got out of a bathtub. But back to her, the theory from her friends. It says um, she got into a bath. And I'm sorry I keep stopping. But here's the thing, guys. I'm an influencer. I have many, many, many hundreds of friends that are influencers. And I'm friends with a lot of girls in Monate. If you have a bathtub and you are a skincare enthusiast and you are into meditation or into all the things that it seems like Alexis was into, especially taking pictures of products, especially portraying, you know, what the products can do. I'm telling you right now, if you have a bath, you're going to be in that bath and you're going to take pictures of your feet, of your bath, of your water running, of the Monate you know, skincare, because my friends do it. They take pictures of themselves in the bath with their hair hanging over the side. And, oh, I'm taking a bath, guys. I'm using the the body cushion, <laughs> monate <laughs> bath bubbles. It's just, I've never seen any evidence that this woman takes baths because I don't take baths. And because I don't, you'll never see me talking about a bath. You'll never see me running a bath. Yeah. But, you know, they say that, and I just wanted that. That's just something I want to point out. Don't laugh at me for saying that. The audience, like, don't laugh at me. I just do follow a lot of people, and she's never once posted any bath. I look through all of her photos. I've never seen her say she's taking a bath. You know, like, sometimes you say things like, relaxing and taking a bath tonight. I've seen her in a bath robe. Okay, so her friend said she was, they think she was in the bath? Right. Okay. But it could have been a shower. You know, they right. said she could have taken a shower or bath. They said she was in the bathtub. She left her phone on the counter, not expecting Tom to come home. But wait, she said she mostly was alone that day. So he was in the house. Nobody's stories match up at all. Sorry, keep going. No, I wanted you to chime in. It's like, (laughs) and then why would she leave her phone? This is a woman that always has her phone. I take my phone to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, I do too, because I usually listen to stuff while I'm, in the shower me too yeah and I don't think she's somebody that would leave her phone outside of the bathroom when she's going to be in there a while showering or taking a bath but she leave. they say she she must have left her phone on the counter not expecting him to come home and even though she's told people she had the room mostly to her house mostly to herself so he possibly had been there and that her phone you know went off so it rang or a text came in And Tom grabbed it and didn't like what he saw. Hmm. This is the same friend that just said that Alexis would never or was not doing anything bad behind his back. Right. So what is it that he could have seen that would have caused him to be angry? Yeah. So wild. Because the friends say, oh, she wasn't having affairs. She wasn't dealing with demons. But I don't know about you. I've gotten in, you know me, you're like my best friend. I've gotten in arguments with Scott. I'll say like, I got in an argument with him, but I never say anything like I'm seeing another guy because I'm not. But had I told you that, you would have possibly said if I came up murdered, you would say, well, you know, he might have, like Scott might have seen something on her phone he didn't like. Yeah, for sure. But this is right after Tanya said that, that Alexis wasn't having an affair just her story does not does not jive yeah it stands to reason you know alexis had confided in her friends they were just together and Mm -hmm. she was just with sebastian a friend that she went out with to a bar the very like the that morning she was still out the same morning like three o'clock in the morning whatever and 
they said, oh, no, no, she's not seeing anybody. So I'm just confused on why they think, okay, he found the phone and there had been a statement from two friends that she hung out with in Marfa on the girls trip that that week was the first week she confided in them and said, and these, these conveniently match up, which kind of bothers me because we have no evidence that he ever did anything to her, even though people assume that there was domestic violence, but they said, oh, she says that she's choked out all the time and that she ends up on the bathroom floor. It's a convenient story that then you're going to say, oh, well, you know, she was in the bathtub. And didn't, didn't she say, oh, well, he probably went too far this time and she didn't wake up? Exactly. They were like, oh, you know, he had been choking her out and this time it just went too far and he freaked out. And again, we don't know if any of this is true. There's no police reports, nobody else saying this. It was one friend that said that Alexis confided in her that Tom had choked her out before. Yeah, what if what if that's not exactly what happened? What if Alexis yeah. said something along the lines of that because he grabbed her? Like, let's say he just gets angry and, like, grabs, grabs her shoulder. I'm not saying it's right, guys, but... I mean, she, but to specifically say, like, I wake up on the bathroom floor, is she upset and trying to make an excuse for why she's seeing someone else? That's what I think. I think when, when you're feeling guilty or not wanting to look bad about something shady you're doing, you will always re resort to making the other person seem so bad because then it makes you look better or it, it makes you look not as slimy. I just find it interesting that we really just have, not that every domestic violence victim is going to tell anyone. I know that's a thing. I know people keep it inside. But the thing I do want to note is usually when there is a domestic violence going on, the man is not the one trying to leave you. It's, it's that he's obsessive and he's telling you, you're never going to get away from me. Like, I'm not going to ever let you go. And it just doesn't seem like a guy who would let her go on all these trips and stay out till, you know, three in the morning is the same guy that's obsessive, not you know, I know they got into arguments that that week, but I don't know. Yeah. Also, that thing can be gradual that, you know, they they had only been together, what, two years total? Yeah. And I feel like that behavior, sometimes people can hide it for so long and then they gradually get into being more and more possessive. So maybe at that point he was starting to get kind of bad. The detectives say, according to Swole, and, and according to Tom, so third person, I guess you would say, but it said there was no signs of domestic violence. So this means when the detectives came in the house and I guess they were searching and then Swole says he continues searching. I'm fuzzy on the timeline. Eventually, the detective calls and tells him to call a number he gave him. It's the coroner. He goes then and identifies her. And that's when he told everyone he found her. To be continued. <laughs> yeah, to be continued, guys. What do you think? If you want to call in next week or, you know, if you have anything to say, let us know. I am posting some of these on YouTube. So if you want to find some of our previous episodes there, the first one will be coming this week. And it'll have all the pictures from everything we've been discussing in part one. Part one is going to be going out. So you're going to be able to see the apartment complex, her friends, her Instagram, everything we've gathered over the past, you know, few months about this case will be there for you to take a look at. And then maybe you can leave a comment about your opinions. Yeah. Yeah, guys, Kimber did a really good job of each thing we talked about. There's photo proof or, you know, to show you the layout and 
even she has clips of Alexis talking and doing things. So check it out. It's really cool. Thanks. I appreciate that. I tried my best. Thanks for listening this week. And please check back. We will definitely be here every week giving you updates on this case. And once again, if you have any information, if this rings a bell, if you were in that area, if you know someone that lives in Houston, if you want to pass on our podcast and especially the episode that's going to go on YouTube so that possibly your friends and even, even you could look at some of this. And if you recognize anyone, please, please, please call authorities because this is an ongoing unsolved murder. Yes. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good day. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Bye.